Megatron, Taylor Brown, never drop this. Three catches, all scores, ready my shit. Make tips for myself, D hop shit. OBJ, I'm my rich and really watch shit. Okay, baby, watch this. Tyreek with the speed when I talk shit. Not again, you a lame, can't pause this. Peep, unfair, catch, yeah, the pause lit. I'll give a couple of reasons. Next year is gonna be a hell of a season. So many decisions in every division. The best part about it is nothing is given. Every game gonna be a head on collision. America's game in the palm of my wrist. And this game is cold, no forgetting your mittens. Go cut you a ticket and get a subscription. Yeah. You are now tuned in to Unfair Catch. Hey, let's discuss what's gonna be unfair next. Hey. You are now tuned in to Unfair Catch. Let's discuss what's gonna be unfair. Welcome back to another episode of Unfair Catch. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm also your host, Jason. It's been a few weeks since we've been on the podcast, but we came back to give you guys a little update on what's going on. So, basically, a quick rundown of what we're gonna do today. We're going to catch up on all the NFL rumors, you know, Deshaun Watson, Matthew Stafford. Uh, we're going to go into some of the coaching changes, and then we're going to break down a little bit of the Senior Bowl, um, which is on this weekend. So let's start it off with um, with the, the NCAA BCS Championship, Alabama versus uh, Ohio State. That happened a few weeks ago. Uh, what would you think of the game? Honestly, I thought it was going to be a lot closer. I mean, I, I assumed that Alabama was going to win, but... I mean, the, the talent that they have on that team was it was unmatched. Um, I mean, we we didn't see too many teams hang with them for a while. I mean, I know Georgia was there leading at halftime or a couple points behind. But um, honestly, I don't even know if they trailed too much this season. And uh, I think everybody knew they were going to win. But I don't think anybody thought it was going to be a 52-24 to 24 blowout. Yeah, um, definitely surprising that it was a blowout. But I remember you said at the beginning of the year that you said that there's no team that's going to be able to beat Bama this year. And you were right. They went undefeated and ended up winning the BCS championship. Um, that's my squad, so super happy about it. And um, just to go into, like, I'm a big Justin Fields guy. I don't think Justin Fields looked awful in the BCS championship. Obviously, he was playing a tough team. Um, he limited his mistakes, and I think he looked good enough to to keep his draft stock where people were expecting it to be. Um and Chris Olave, of course, too. He looks solid. I think he didn't um, hurt his draft stock at all in that game either. So those are the two guys, two of the key guys on Ohio State. Even though they took a, they took a bad L, um, I think those key guys are still uh, still guys that we're going to be looking forward to um, at the next level for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think some of their defensive guys are you know going to catch some heat. Uh, I know a uh, Sean Wade was one of the guys that got absolutely obliterated by draft scouts and draft analysts. Um, a lot of people are saying that he just looks slow and out of place. He used to play in the in the slot and played some nickel, and uh, everybody thought he was going to be one of those one of those early round draft picks, you know, to go in and start right away on the nickel and hopefully be able to kick outside in like a couple of years. But he showed this year that he's just too slow on the outside; it's not going to happen. And a lot of teams, I think, he's going to have to move to like a free safety role. Um, so I mean, his stock's definitely down, and I don't think you even take him in the first first round, or definitely not the second round. Um, Baron Browning looked pretty good. He's definitely gonna, um, you know, we're gonna talk about him a little bit with the Senior Bowl. Um, he's gonna he's gonna rise up, and Pete Warner's, you know, he looked pretty decent as well. But other than that, their defense, you know, they looked slow. They looked sluggish. Uh, they didn't have an answer for Devonte Smith. I mean, you gave him a free release on every play. I know he's, you know, he's got quick feet and he can, you know, create separation. But I mean, what did he have? Like two hundred yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, he had like twelve catches for. 12 for 215, three touchdowns. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. I mean, that's probably the best receiving performance we've seen in some time. So, I mean, rightfully yeah, so. Yeah, and a national so. championship too, which is yeah, crazy. Yeah, so I mean, that, and he's and he was the Heisman Trophy winner, so. And the BCS championship MVP. So, I mean, the accolades, <laughs> it's insane. I mean, and he did that all at 150 pounds, so good Literally. for him. <laughs> it's crazy, man. 
Um, just to highlight some Bama guys real quick, Mac Jones played an absolute baller of a game. 36 for 45, 464, five touchdowns, no picks, um, four rushes for 11 yards. Mac Jones, um, at the beginning of the year, I, even as a Bama guy, I wasn't a big Mac Jones fan. I'm still not sold on him. Uh, I don't think he's a next level quarterback, but he did drive his draft stock um, as high as it could possibly could go throughout the season. And um, we're going to get into him a little bit in the Senior Bowl as well. But that's some a guy that we're looking we're looking at as well. And then of course, you know, you got Najee Harris, um, potential first round running back, Devontae Smith, potential top fifteen to maybe top ten pick. This team was just loaded with weapons. You know, you have Jalen Waddle up there too as well. Um, and on the defensive side, you know, Pat Sertan Jr., all these guys, they got, Bama keeps a rotation of first round picks in their arsenal every single year. So it's no surprise that we're talking about them in the national championship game. Um, it was a, it was a fun game as a Bama fan to watch. I wish it was a little bit more competitive as like a football fan, but I'm not going to complain about a, a complete blow in the national championship as a, as a Alabama fan for sure. Yeah, for sure. They also have uh, Christian Barrymore on the D-line, who mm-hmm. everybody was saying was you know rising up a little bit before the yeah, game. Yeah, and he balled out in the national championship, Yeah, he too. started off really slow during the year, and everyone was like, oh, we really thought he was going to take like that the next step. You know, uh, Raekwon Davis is gone. We thought, you know, Christian Barrymore was going to be the guy to step up. And then the last like three or four games of the season, in the playoffs and in the SEC championship and then the national championship, he absolutely just balled out. Played absolutely insane. I mean, he could be a late round, first round pick at this point now, and I, I think he's still raw. And I think people are going to see the potential that he has as a run stuffer and even as a pass rusher. And I think there's still a lot of room for improvement. I think that's one of the few guys that Bama tried really hard to coach up that it just didn't stick as as much at first. So I think he's one of the more more of the raw guys that you don't usually see coming out of Bama. Usually, you see those guys have all their potential tapped out because they they coach so well. But I think I think uh, Christian Barrymore is going to be one of those guys that you know is going to look a lot better. And they also had the true freshman Willie Anderson Jr., who I remember I texted you about before the season started because mm-hmm. I heard some reports that he was just, you know, going to get a starting job on the defense, which is insane. As a true freshman, he had like six or seven sacks this year. Um, he looked pretty good as well. So, I mean, yeah, he had a good year. He was a guy that I was keeping my eye on for sure. Yeah. But let's jump into the, uh, let's jump into the senior bowl. Yeah, man. So going, going from the national championship, you know, you got the, the, the offseason coming up. Uh, there's a lot of these. Usually we have the East-West Shrine game, but that got canceled because of COVID. Um, but luckily, we're still getting the Senior Bowl this year, which I'm super excited about. It's mine and Jay, one of mine and Jay's favorite uh, weeks um, in the offseason because we get to see a lot of this. It's more fun for the smaller school guys to come in and see them play against top talent in, in the practices throughout the week. So that's like the most fun. I don't really care about the game as much. I just love seeing the practices. That's where I get most of my information from on these guys. Because you get to see these guys from like smaller schools like Northern Iowa or like Charleston or like these small school guys. Wisconsin Whitewater. Yeah, exactly. Wisconsin Whitewater who now have to go in and like pass rush against guys from Bama or cover receivers from Ohio State you know, and stuff like that. So that's the most yeah. important part for me when it comes to the senior and I, that's why I love watching the practices. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think, you know, the practices, you get you get more, um, you get a better sense of what, what they are as players because, you know, when you go into the game, you're now not taking just like what you know from a technique and, you know, talent standpoint. Now you're trying to teach people how to play a system that they learned two days ago mm-hmm. that you're kind of just like making up plays as you go. Um, it's extremely difficult for cornerbacks to go in and try and, I mean, they both, they're mostly just going to play like a cover two or a man. They're not really not really doing anything that's they're not really getting them even put in position on their strong suit so like they get absolutely obliterated so i mean hats off to any of 
any of the defensive backs out there that actually play well today because we usually see them, you know, struggle. Yeah, exactly. I got a couple DBs I'm going to have my eye on that I that I like. Um, I'll probably get into those in a little bit. But yeah, let's just get into the rosters, man. Let's let's start with the um the national team. The Miami Dolphins are coaching that squad. Um, any uh, key players that you want to highlight off the rip? Yeah, I definitely want to highlight Demetric Felton. This guy started at running back for for UCLA. He's he's quick. He's little. Um, they actually asked him to come in and play some receiver. Uh, from the drills that I saw him do, he ran some crisp routes. You know, he he looked like a playmaker. He got the ball in his hands and you know get him in open space. He's he's gonna be fun to watch. He's definitely gonna be one of those guys that I think has potential to be a uh, MVP today. Yeah, I mean he's gonna do it all. You're gonna see him on special teams because he's a return. He does returns as well. Um, you're going to see him line up at linebacker, not linebacker, running back and wide receiver. He's going to be moving all around the offense. So, yeah, that's a guy that I highlighted as well. Um, he's definitely someone that we're going to be keeping an eye on in the game for sure. Um, another guy that I know you're a big fan of, Michael Carter from UNC, undersized running back. People are going to knock him for his size, but um, he's very versatile as a running back. He's another guy that we're going to see kind of move all around the backfield. And he's a receiving threat coming out of the backfield, and he balled out at UNC. So, I think he's a guy that we're going to. Yeah, have a good game today. This is a guy that stepped in, and he wasn't even the best running back on his team. I mean, they had Javante Williams in there, who's kind of like the lead guy, and then they had Michael Carter in there, kind of as like a one-two punch. Um, he's a really good pass catcher. He has great vision. I, he's going to be the guy that's going to come in, and he's going to people are going to fall in love with him at the Senior Bowl because he's just going to be a guy out there making plays, running and catching, just like Demetri Felton. I think either one of those two guys is you know probably the favorite for for MVP today. Yeah, my MVP is gonna be my MVP is a, is a sleeper sleeper pick. I'm going with and a guy I want to highlight from from the same squad as well as Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan. Um, he's been getting rave reviews coming out of practice. Um, the coaches seem to love him. He's been balling out, making all the plays, um, getting highlighted, super super highlights uh, coming out of practice. So that's a guy that I am going to pick as my sleeper um, MVP. I think that. Um, the way if he continues to play the way that he did in practice, if he continues to play like that in the game today, I think he could put on a show, and I think he could end up stealing the uh, the MVP at the Senior Bowl for sure. Yeah, I definitely agree. This wasn't a guy I actually didn't hear much about until the Senior Bowl started. So like, this is exactly why I love the Senior Bowl. There's these small school guys that you know they just come in and you know surprise us all. And from what I saw, he looked really good. Um, also, I saw nico collins from michigan mm-hmm. who i mean i don't know if you saw michigan play this year or last year or the year before they, they're not good they're not a good football team yeah, they stink i don't know what happened with john jim harbaugh but besides the point nico collins actually looked really good he was you know he's six foot four like 200 and something pounds and you know he looks like that prototypical perimeter receiver kind of like a brichard perryman he's you know he's quick yeah he's not that quick he's not as quick as brichard perryman but he's got good hands and you know he looks like somebody that could sneak into the day too yeah, he's one of those mid-round guys that's more more like reliable than he is like flashy. Um, he's not someone that I necessarily am like super in love with. I still got to go in and watch tape and whatnot. But just from what I've seen with him in in um, in the seasons that he's played, um, he's not someone that I was like super excited about to watch. But uh, that's what's that's a good thing about the Senior Bowl is players surprise you every time you turn the game on and the practice is on. So hopefully he can come through and ball out today. Yeah, there's also another guy I want to talk about at receiver there for the national team is uh, Tylen Wallace. So this guy, you know, he's quick. He's about six feet, kind of plays like a Kenny Stills, like stretch the field type guy. Um, but he can actually get up and get 50-50 balls. He's, you know, he's a good perimeter guy, sideline guy. Um, but the thing is, 
Oklahoma State's offense is so weird that they only asked him to play on the right side of the field. He literally lined up in the same spot over and over again. So it was nice, you know, seeing him come into the senior ball practices and actually get to show some of the other talent that he has. Like, you know, I can line up in the slot. I can do this. And I can, you know, I can run an actual route. So, like, it's going to be – I'm interested to see how he's going to look today with, you know, the quarterbacks there, which we haven't talked about. Yeah, for sure, because the quarterbacks on this team aren't as, like, dynamic and exciting as the quarterbacks that we got on the um, American team. They got a full roster of, like, pretty solid names that you know. Right. But for the national team, you know, you got Ian Book from Notre Dame, which I'm not a big Ian Book fan. That's why I, I didn't mention him in my any of these players that I was excited to watch. Um, but he's probably the best quarterback that they have on their roster. Yeah, I think, I'm, I mean, he's six feet tall and he can run around and, you know, he can make throws within 10, 15 yards, but you're not going to expect him to go in there and light up your, light up a defense with his arm. Um, he's not going to throw it deep. He's not going to, he can run, you know, that's good. I mean, he's he's decent. I mean, he'll probably stick around the NFL for as a backup role, but I don't really see him as a starter. Uh, there is one guy that they have on their team in Sam Ellinger that I actually do really like. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, same kind of thing though. He's not really going to light you up with his arm, but he is a playmaker with his feet, and I do think he throws a better pass than Ian Book does. But I did notice in practice his arm's not that strong, and he was struggling with. Um, there was a lot of wind yesterday, and he tried to throw a deep row, and it literally died on him like five, seven yards short. Yeah, Sam Ellinger is one of those like prototypical Texas football players where he's very like high energy. He's someone that's going to be super fun to watch just because he he plays his hardest every single every single snap. Um, I love watching him in, in college. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the NCAA to watch, but I don't think that he has the potential to be a next level quarterback. But as a just a fan of him, I hope that he plays well and um, I'm going to be excited to see what he can do against some top competition. Yeah, I definitely agree. All right, let's talk about the offensive lineman. Um, I mean, I think everybody heard by now about, you know, Whitewater, Wisconsin Whitewater offensive mm-hmm. lineman. Don't even know how to say his last name. Quinn Miners, Mianers, whatever. Yeah, Miners or something. I don't know. Every time they showed this guy on the practice field, I, I, it was shocking to me. He mm-hmm. was out there with a cutoff shirt, belly out, and he was just manhandling people. Try to spin move him, stuffed. Try to bull rush him, stuffed. Guy literally broke his hand in practice. And is now begging Brian Flores to let him play today. I don't know if they're going to let him play, and I hope they do because that just shows that's just unreal toughness. Yeah, exactly. That's the type of guy that coaching staffs fall in love with. That type of energy. Um, he knows he's a small school guy. He knows that he needs to get out there and play to improve his draft stock and show these scouts that he's someone that's worth being in the NFL. Um, I think he's done that job already just throughout the practices. He's been getting a lot of praise and a lot of love, but he I love that he just has that true grit and toughness in him and that competitive drive that with even knowing that he did his job by by balling out in front of the scouts that he still wants to get out there and finish the job and play the game. That's especially for an offensive lineman, that's the type of mentality that you want. So the fact that that's what he's showing right now to these coaches is um that's a green light in my eyes for sure. So hopefully, you know, I don't know. I I, I hate to say like hopefully he plays through the injury and goes out and play because then I don't, I don't want to risk him getting hurt any more than he already is, but I just love to see that passion that he has for the game. And um, I'm definitely, he definitely um, makes my list for sure when it comes to guys I'm keeping my eye on in this game. I was just going through the roster again, and there's just so many guys. I don't want to get into every single guy here because we'll be here all day because I could literally talk about them forever. But I mean, other guys in the offensive line that I'm looking forward to watching today Dylan Raduns, North Dakota State. Creed Humphrey, obviously I have a big circle on Creed Humphrey. I think he's probably one of the best centers in the draft. Uh, and also Aaron Biggs from Notre Dame, who I think is a little slept on. I think, you know, 
this game and these practices might have you know opened their eyes up some people yeah i mean he um, just he just got overlooked a lot because he was playing next to eichenberg yeah exactly and uh and then you know, on the defensive side we got baron browning uh hemiclair Rishad jr who was a little undersized uh shaka tony who you know also was undersized um Dalen Hayes from Notre Dame, and I can't even pronounce the D-tackle's name there. Adetokonbo Awagandaji. Nice, dude. How's that sound? Uh, I don't know. It sounds great. I definitely... <laughs> from Notre Dame. He also is somebody I'm looking forward to today. And then, obviously, I'm also circling the two uh, the two pit D-linemen and Patrick Jones and Rashad. Yeah, Taylor. exactly. That's who I was going to bring up as well. Those are the two guys that I'm going to be having my eye on in this game. Um, just cool to have two of the same... Two of the guys from the same team... Um, doing what they did all year back on the um, Senior Bowl team and doing what continue to do what they did throughout the season on, on the uh, on the Senior Bowl. So that's cool as fuck. Yeah. All right. Let's jump into the American team. So obviously it's headlined by quarterbacks. It was supposed to be Kyle Trask was going to be the headliner. Today. Everyone was uh, fuck Kyle know, Trask. <laughs> Everyone was going to be pumped up to see him. Uh, we're not Kyle Trask guys, but uh, there also is a Mac Jones who I think you know hats off to him for coming in after that BCS championship game and you know coming in and wanted to compete yeah because um, he still knows that he has work to do when it comes to boosting his draft stock he knows that people aren't still aren't sold on him which rightfully so they shouldn't be um he's he has a lot to prove still and I think he knows that this game is another chance for him to show off his talent in a different setting and he knows that hey put me on this team where I don't have my Alabama guys to rely on and let me show them that I can still do the same thing without those guys. So yeah. I think it's a very big opportunity for Mac Jones. And 100%. And he honestly looked like the best quarterback out there. Um, I don't know how much we'll actually see him play today. I think he hurt his ankle. But, um, I mean, they also have Jamie Newman and Kellen Mond, who I know people are, you know, excited to see get some playing time. But um, the running backs, the running backs are okay. I think the running backs on the national team are definitely better. Yeah, for uh, sure. I don't have any running backs on this team highlighted because I'm not that... I, I'm gonna keep an eye on uh, Kalen Hill. I think that he, I think he's gonna be okay, and I think Chris Evans, another one of those Michigan guys that just has the talent, but yeah. didn't show it on the field. Um, as far as receivers go, again, I think the receivers on the other team are better, but um, I do have a, a big star next to Kadarius Tony. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope he ends up playing today because he's he's one of those guys that I think could slip into the first round. Yeah, he's one of those guys that um, when you talk about like great route runners he's just a clean route runner he's so quick off the line his feet it's insane like i think he freestyles a lot kind of like a uh chad Ochocinco. that chad florida Johnson. offense is like built for freestyling yeah though, so, so he just kind of like gets you with the quick move with his feet and then tries to jump into his route so it's a little sloppy at times but i mean he's creating separation off the off the jump so it's like i'm not gonna knock him for it and then there's amari rogers who's he's undersized he's like five yeah, foot nine he's a speedster his, his route running is Honestly, it's it's pretty great to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know if there's anybody on the receivers that you want to highlight, but then the offensive line we got some Bama guys and a couple Georgia guys in there that I know we're both looking to watch. But Trey Smith from Tennessee had blood clots in his lungs, went back for his senior year. Every time they showed him again in the senior ball practices, he was absolutely just stuffing people. Um, that's a guy that unfortunately probably won't make it into the first round, but he's a first round talent. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's just unfortunate for him, and um, hopefully he can put on a show and, and boost that draft stock back up to where it should be. Um, a guy on the offensive line that I'm looking forward to watching on this American team is Jack Anderson from Texas Tech. Uh, honestly, he's probably like a, a day two pick at max. Day, he's going to be um, a second, third rounder. But this dude's super tough and super physical. He's got that 
that true grit that you look for when it comes to interior offensive linemen. And he just plays with a little bit of nastiness, which is something that I like, kind of like a Richie Incognito type. So that's something that that's someone that I'm excited to watch as like a mid round uh, day two pick. And I'm going to have my eye on him for sure. Yeah, definitely. Just to jump on the other side of the ball here, I think a guy that I'm trying to keep an eye on is Edge Edge guy uh, from out of, out of UAB, Jordan Smith. I mm-hmm. think that he's one of those guys that I had circled earlier in the season, just you know, catching some some recap game box scores scouting. Uh, so this is a guy that I don't know much about, and honestly, didn't really you don't really hear as much about the the Edge guys and the practices because. You know, I'm too busy watching the offensive linemen. Yeah, exactly. Bigger for them, but mm-hmm. when you know when you go into a game like this, I you know I want to see him set the edge. I want to see him rush the passer. I, I mean, I, I think it's gonna be fine. I think he's gonna get a lot of playing time. Yeah, the, the thing about him too is he comes out of UAB. Um, and that UAB unit was very, very good this year. They were a top 10 D1 defense. I know they don't play against the stiffest competition, but to still be ranked up in the top 10 with all those schools up there, um, anybody from that unit should be getting a look right now. Top 10 um, D1 defense for a small school like UAB is is pretty impressive, so I'll definitely be keeping my eye on him for sure. Yeah, another guy I'm keeping my name, uh, keeping a very, very big eye on is Boogie Basham from Wake Forest. Uh, I think that this guy is kind of like your typical Trey Flowers. He's going to, you know, 4-3. He's like an oversized 4-3 N, but an undersized 3-4 D end. So it's like, he's, you know, where do you play him? Yeah, but similar I think, like a Shaq Lawson coming out. Yeah, exactly. I think that he's, you know, he's a really good fit for a team like the Miami Dolphins, the New England Patriots, you know, any of those teams that, that run that Bill Chuck style defense. Mm-hmm. For sure. Also a guy, I know you, you're a big Miami, University of Miami guy, so you got your boy Quincy Roche edge rusher from Miami. Um, he's someone that we were very high on at the beginning of the season, but his stock has slipped throughout the season. Um, and at least in my eyes, I feel like his stock has slipped. Um, but I hope that he's able to come out here and ball out because he does have those tools where you can turn it on off the edge and become a diamond, dynamic playmaker and, um, and and push that pocket. So Quincy Roche is somebody that I'm keeping my eye on as well. Um, he's always creating pressure and that's something that you look for when it comes to guys off the edge. Yeah, it's just, it's tough for him because he's like, 230, 240 pounds, so he's a bit undersized for a 3-4 outside linebacker, and, you know, he's way too small to be playing 4-3 DN, so he's going to get kind of stuck being a tweener playing on a 4-3 as, like, a strong side linebacker. So. Yeah, it's just going to come down to whoever gets him is going to have to find creative ways to use him. Yeah, I mean, he might be, like, a situational pass rush guy, but, I mean, I think he's got to put some weight on. I like um, Marvin Wilson the third also, defensive line out of Florida State. Um, he had a rough 2020, and his stock dropped a lot. But he's a um, he was like a very big vocal leader on that Florida State defense, and um, he has a chance to come out here and prove that um, his the draft stock slipping is something that he can correct and put it back to where it should be. Yeah, I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't even know he was playing in the game. I don't know if he even showed up because like I didn't even I just saw his name on there before yeah. he said that. And, you know, surprised. This is a guy that was you know being talked about as a day day one day two pick mm-hmm. coming into 2020, and I think now people are just going to draft them based off you know prior year games because exactly you're gonna, it's going to be a tough 2020 tape is going to be tough to watch but you're going to have to find the bright spots in it and just kind of you're betting on um his potential you're betting on that you can get him back to what he was in his um, junior year so i don't know we'll see it's it's a guy that's intriguing i don't necessarily know where to place him as far as like draft stock right now but um he's definitely someone to keep your eye on for sure uh just to talk about some of these cornerbacks quick uh I know a lot of people were big on Aaron Robinson this week, but uh, the guy I want to talk about is Richie Grant from Central Florida, another one of those smaller school guys. Um, I think he's going to be a really good safety in the NFL from 
from what I saw in his tape last year. I remember I watched him because I thought he was going to enter the draft last year. He was going to be one of those like mid-round guys. Uh, this year, I think he came in and he played even better. And I think, you know, coming to the Senior Bowl, finally got him on people. People are not starting to talk about him. So I think, I think I, I'm going to be, you know, happy watching him today as well. Yeah, for sure. I know there's a name that people probably recognize when you're looking down the roster sheet. Melanfon Wu, his brother Obi played for UConn. Um, this kid is coming out of Syracuse. So the thing about Obi was everybody knew that he was an athletic freak. They didn't necessarily know if he was a cornerback or a safety because he was so athletic, he'd kind of do it all. This kid's more of a true cornerback. He does have those freak athletic traits as well, but he kind of settled in more as a cornerback at Syracuse. So he has more of a true positional value, more so than his brother. So he's someone that's, I feel like, a little little bit safer of a pick than um, Obi was. But I'm looking forward to seeing how he can hold it down um, at the corner position and then the guy that I'm really looking forward to on this defense the most is Robert Rochelle at a central Arkansas small school guy I love small school corners I always keep my eye on a few of them every every draft cycle this is the one that's that's at the top of my list right now Um, he has your prototypical size and length he's got long arms um, super good ball skills like the the dude is just is a ball hawk for sure and um, the the most impressive thing about him is that he didn't play in 2020 at all and he's still getting the invite to the game so people know that he has potential and um he opted out because of covid this year or i don't i don't know if no he didn't opt out because of covid his he had one of those schools that didn't end up playing this year so um that kind of put a knock on him and I'm, I'm sure he's excited to come out here and ball and he's been doing pretty good so far in practices from what i've seen yeah i don't know much about him but i, I have heard good things about him so i'm definitely interested in watching him play as well um there's another guy that i think is an undersized linebacker who you know won't fit every every team but uh jabril cox out of lsu i think mm-hmm. i think that's a guy that he just flies around the field so i think you know we saw patrick queen last year jump up draft boards like kind of late in the late in the process and snuck into the first round i think jabril cox is the type of guy that could you know maybe sneak in at the back end of the first or early second round pick at this point yeah for sure they have that safety to jacoby stevens that's also playing in this game he's he's more of a true safety for me he flies around the as the as the deep man and he can lay the fucking boom down on somebody so very high football iq he plays safe he's not one of those dirty safeties that comes in and just completely obliterates people but he hits hard he plays smart and um he's just one of those those true grit lsu guys that you know coming out of the secondary that just flies around and does his job yeah, all right Let's talk about the Super Bowl since we got that coming up in two weeks. Or oh, really? Next weekend. Sorry. Really? Super Bowl? Yeah, the Super Bowl. We got, uh, you know. Who's playing in the Super Bowl? We got Patrick Mahomes, the GOAT. Whoa. No. We got Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady. I think that's what everyone's going to be talking about for the next week. I mean, I don't watch ESPN or that shit, but I'm sure that they're that's probably all they're fucking talking about. With sure. Fucking boners all fucking day. Oh, dude, once the media week starts... On when is this Sunday or Monday this week leading up to the game? It's just going to be ridiculous. I'm not even going to be paying attention to it, but I know it's all they're going to be talking about. Um, but hey, we got a good game. Bucks, Chiefs. I think it's going to be a good game. Bucks, better defense. Chiefs, better offense. Brady's 10th Super Bowl. First time a quarterback or first time a team is playing in their home stadium for the Super Bowl, which is pretty cool. And of course, you just put that fucking feather right in Brady's cap. Again, another, another accomplishment for Tom. His offense is, you know, not to not to talk down on Brady or anything. Like he's got three number one receivers on his team. So, Literally, I mean, and two number one tight ends. I mean, I know OJ Howard got hurt early, but like, yeah, I mean Gronk's still out there doing Gronk things that you know in the red zone and stuff. Yep. But yeah, I mean, we don't have to go too far into it. But uh, what is your Super Bowl prediction and who's your MVP? Oh boy. Um. Okay. 
I haven't even thought about who I think is actually going to win. But I can't pick against the Chiefs. Even though I've been picking against the Bucks all playoffs and they just keep screwing me every time, so it's probably going to happen again. But I'm going to go Chiefs. I'm going to go um, 31-28, I guess. It's going to be a close game. I think that the Bucks defense is good enough to kind of keep it um, within range. And then, of course, that Tampa Bay offense is loaded with weapons. Um, yeah, 31-28. And I'm going to go uh, with a shocker and say that Tyreek Hill is the MVP. Gets double-digit catches over 100 yards, maybe a couple touchdowns. Takes the MVP away from Mahomes. I'm going to go with the, the Bucks. I think that... Their offense is just as good as the Chiefs. I think that the Chiefs have more uh, like speed guys, but I think that the Bucks just have you know better red zone guys. Um, I mean, I don't even know who you cover. Like they have the Chiefs' defense isn't that great. I think that they you know they they get to play with a lead most of the time, so they think they look a lot better. I think this this week you're going to see them. They're going to struggle a bit. Um, I'm going to go 41 Bucks, uh, 31 Chiefs. I think that it's going to be close up until the last couple drives, and I think Brady's going to put it away and get his seventh Super Bowl. Does Brady take home the MVP as well? No, Leonard Fournette's taking it home. Wow. <laughs> okay, we're getting we're getting weird over here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all Leonard Fournette. <laughs> Big Leonard Fournette game incoming. <laughs> couple hundred yards. Honestly, if you have a lot of money just sitting in your bank account, and you're bored, you don't know what to do with it. Just throw it on Leonard Fournette to win MVP. Please don't take that advice. <laughs> If you just have a couple, if you just have extra money chilling in your bank account, please don't bet it on Leonard Fournette for anything. Please. I mean, if you want to double it up, I mean, it's a quick, easy bet. Yeah, sure. All right, man. Let's get into some of these off-season rumors that we've got flying around. There's a ton swirling around, around some big names. Uh, what do you want to talk about first? Which one? Let's talk about Deshaun. I feel like that sure. one it can go either way here. Deshaun Watson, man. Um he officially this morning deleted everything Texans related off his social media. Yeah, every Just day there's like a new piece of the puzzle. It's like today he deleted all the Houston stuff. The other day after they hired their new coach, uh, he said that doesn't change his mind. He still wants out. Before that, um, he said uh, he wants Eric Bieniemy, and then they're like, okay, we'll interview Eric Bieniemy, and he goes, well, even if you hire him, I still want out. So like, there's literally nothing that Texans can possibly do that's going to change Deshaun Watson's mind at this point. I feel like if he was going to suck it up and admit that he wants to stay in Houston. He would have done it by now. Um, he just keeps giving us more and more reasons as to why he wants out. So Yeah. I, I don't know why the owner told him that he was going to you know have a voice in the GM surge. He's going to have a, a voice in the head coaching surge. They just gave him false promises. You, you, this is, you traded away his number one target coming into the year. You, you made your team look terrible. Like their team was awful all year. They, bad, they didn't bad. even have a first or second round pick because I traded him to Miami. So like he's already sitting there with a sour taste in his mouth. And then the fans, the Texans fans are like, well, he signed his contract five months ago and he said he wanted to bring a Super Bowl. Well, yeah, he, he probably did. But then he went through this shit of a year and realized that they traded away all the guys that, that he wanted. And then they, you know, to kind of like save his with them, they're like, hey, you know what? We'll let you have a, vo- we'll let you, you know, give us your opinion on GM and offense, like your GM and head coach. He gives you two names that he wants for the head coach, and you don't even interview either of them in the first round. Yeah, the they were the only the team to not interview Robert Sala or Eric Benanemi in the first round. And those are the two guys that he said that he wanted. Those are the two guys that he wanted. And the crazy thing is, it's like they didn't even bring them in for interviews. Like they didn't even. The only time that they ever brought Benanemi in for an interview was when they started getting media pressure about, dude, you made you made your promises to Deshaun that these are the things that you would give him and you, you didn't even give the guy that he wanted a chance. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I'm not saying that he should get a voice and you no, know, of get course to pick not. the he's head a coach if he's a player, but don't tell him that he's going to have the voice and then 
I mean, he already doesn't like the owner because he's a racist piece of shit. Exactly. So, like, I, I'm not even going to get to it. But let's talk about teams. Who are the teams that are, uh, you know, got a potential for Deshaun Watson? Well, here's the thing about Deshaun Watson, right? He's a top five quarterback in the league. So, you can talk about all the other teams that don't have a top five quarterback. So, you could talk about 27 other teams that could potentially be a fit for Watson. But when it comes down to, like, realistically, like, who is the the favorite? Like, you know, he wanted Rob Sala as his coach. Rob Sala signed with the New York Jets as their head coach. They have plenty of money to pay Deshaun Watson. Um, if Deshaun Watson really wants to play with Sala, I'm sure that the Jets and the Texans could figure out a deal to get that done. So I think the Jets, honestly, have the top spot. Then you look at the Miami Dolphins, who are another team that people are talking about. Um rumors scrolling that people are saying that Tua is not the guy so maybe you you send Tua in a couple of the a bunch of these picks that Miami has and you get that over to Houston so that's a potential deal that could potentially happen um there's just so many teams that the 49ers you know I mean they're another team that are looking that's looking for a quarterback they're involved with another quarterback that we're going to be talking about next probably um as far as rumors go but there's just so many teams like I said when you have a top five quarterback like Deshaun Watson you can literally talk about any single team in the NFL that has is a potential landing spot for him yeah I definitely agree but the, the big thing with Watson is he has a no trade clause so I think that um you know he's gonna have to hand over a list of teams he's probably gonna be like hey here's the five teams I want to go to mm-hmm. and then you know the Texans get to get those five teams in a bidding war and I think that's exactly what's gonna happen I think everyone's saying hey Texans have no leverage here. Fuck you. Yes, they do. How don't they have leverage? Yeah, they can just take tell Deshaun Watson to go fuck himself. And they could tank for the year, yeah. get the number one pick, and then replace him anyway. It's like what? Whatever. They, yeah. he, they they'll save money. They'll save more money if he doesn't show up because then it's a breach of contract. So it's gonna. I mean, at the end of the day, they're not gonna do that. They'll probably end up trading him if they want to. They keep saying they won't. There's no way this ends well. Maybe they don't trade him this year. Maybe they like force him out in the off season. Like later in the off season, we see him after the draft get traded. I don't know. But I think that right now your best offer is going to come from either the New York Jets or the Miami Dolphins. The Jets have a bunch of cap space. They have the number two overall pick in the draft, and they also have the number 23 pick in the draft. You can trade those two picks and some future picks for Deshaun Watson. You can also go in and sign Allen Robinson. You can get them a running back. Maybe you sign Allen Robinson and Aaron Jones, and you get trade for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, you spent all your money on that, but guess what? You already have young offensive linemen in the building, and you already you know that you have... Denzel Mims and Jamison Crowder. So you already have a slot and one outside guy. You need that number one and you need a running back and you need a quarterback. And then obviously you got to fix your defense, but you're not going to do it all in one year. Exactly. And, and exactly, if you're, if, the, if you're the Jets and you want to land Deshaun Watson, you also have to know that you have to have the pieces around him. They have the head coach that he wants, then they have the money to go out and get some of these guys, like Jay said, that they can pick up and um, stack that offense around Deshaun Watson, which would immediately make them a force in the AFC East if they have that type of offense. Like you said, the defense is going to need work if that happens, but um, Deshaun Watson's young. They can, they, can, they can finagle that and figure it out. Yeah, I also think that between the Dolphins and Jets, if those are the two favorites, that's great news for the Texans because that team that doesn't end up with him is screwed for the next ten years. You already got Josh Allen and the Josh Allen in the division, so now you're telling me that four times a year you got to go against a top ten quarterback. The other team is just going to drive up the price for the other one, so it's great news for the Texans. They're going to get you know they're going to be able to maximize production there. But just talk about the Dolphins real quick. I know uh, the GM there, Nick Casario, was supposedly really big on Tua, so. I don't know if they can work something out where they, they trade three and 18 to a, some picks next year. Maybe that'll, and then they could literally turn around and, you know, draft to his buddy there and Devonte Smith, just like we were talking about for the Dolphins, but we don't know. I don't know how this is going to play out, but another team that I would definitely highlight is the Panthers. I think that 
I mean, unfortunately, they're not in the top five, and that probably hurts them a little bit, but... They would have to give up a lot more future capital. Right. They'll get, they'd get more first-round picks, I think, that way. I mean, maybe they get their first-round picks for the next four years. Yeah, exactly. That's something that's... That's like with the Jets and the Dolphins, where they have two first-rounders this year. They kind of don't have to give up as much future capital as a team like the Panthers would. Right. So that's what kind of hurts the Panthers in the long run. If you're, if you're talking about like a long a long turnaround, that's something that would um, handcuff them in, for future drafts. Yeah, I think those those three teams are kind of the favorites. I know that the Chicago Bears will probably go um, go kind of hard after him, but I don't think Deshaun's going to want to go there. They already passed up on him once and took Mitch Trubisky in the draft over him, so I can't see him wanting to actually go there. Yeah, for sure. The Deshaun Watson saga is definitely not over. Um, it's definitely something that we're going to be keeping our eye on throughout the offseason. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, one of the biggest names in the league, and he's creating storylines every single day. So there's there will be no shortage of Deshaun Watson rumors and drama until uh, until draft time comes around. I do want to point out that I think if I'm trading, you know, like four first-round picks and a bunch of mid-round picks for Deshaun Watson, I'm probably going to sit there and say, can we throw J.J. Watt in as well? Because they're probably only going to be able to get a mid-round pick for him. And why the hell would J.J. Watt, 32 years old, want to stay on a rebuilding team? You know, he wants to go either go play in Pittsburgh with his brothers or go join another contending team. So why not just say, hey, you know, we're giving you all these picks. Why not throw J.J. Watt in? We'll restructure his contract. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a one-year deal for him and he gets 10 mil this year, 8 mil or, you know, something and say, hey, we're going to give him a chance to go, you know, run it back with Deshaun in this new spot. Maybe we do something and then he's free to leave as a free agent. Yeah, for sure. And, and um, piece of news came out about JJ today about saying he came out and said that um, his time in Houston is potentially over so I'm sure he's looking forward to the, his next step in his career so I'm sure we're going to be keeping keeping tabs on JJ as well throughout the offseason all right let's talk about Matthew Stafford another that big name quarterback over from what we saw uh Dan Campbell came out today and said that the the trademark over him has been heating up mm-hmm. uh one third of the teams in the NFL apparently which usually isn't that much they usually over exaggerate a little bit so maybe like seven eight teams um this is another guy he's worth a first round pick he's obviously not worth multiple first round picks because he's you know a little older he's in his mid-30s so you know first round pick I think right off the bat I think that makes the 49ers and the Colts the two two favorites in my mind yeah I would say the 49ers are probably the leader in the clubhouse to get Matthew Stafford, um, I just feel like that system would work out well for him, and they have the the means to get him if they really wanted him. So I would say the 49ers are probably my top pick as to where Stafford lands, and I think Stafford Stafford and his family would love to be in California, um, the Bay Area, stuff like that. So I could see the 49ers being a perfect marriage for Stafford as well. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, all right, so do you put any stock in this uh, Aaron Rodgers saga that? You know, he kind of uh, made some news last week after the loss saying that, you know, nobody's, I'm paraphrasing, but nobody's future in the NFL is guaranteed, mine included. A lot of people took that as, hey, I don't think I'm going to be here next year. But he, then he comes out and says, no, that's not really what I meant. I was more t- more so talking about like Aaron Jones and, you know, the center there, Lindsay, like those, yeah. like his other guys. So I, but people kind of took it out of context. And I, I don't know if you think that maybe, with Jordan Love being there, maybe they'll try and trip. Them. Yeah, I mean that's obviously why people are talking about it is because they know that they drafted Jordan Love. They thought that that Jordan Love was going to put some pressure on Aaron Rodgers this year. I mean, and if it did, it was good pressure because Aaron Rodgers absolutely balled the fuck out. Um, no, I don't think Aaron Rodgers has anything to worry about. I don't think he was necessarily talking about um, 
him being his time being up in Green Bay. Because, you know, you saw what Aaron Rod- Andrew Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre for like a few years. So I'm sure that he knows like, hey, just because they drafted a rookie quarterback doesn't mean that he's going to come in and take my job right now. So he knows that Jordan Love probably still has a, a bit of a ways to go as far as before he takes takes over the quarterback in, in Green Bay. So I don't think Aaron Rodgers was necessarily talking about himself. I do think he was necess- he was more so talking about the um, the players that are on his team. Because he he knows he's been around a long time. He knows that this is a business. He knows that players come and go. So I'm sure that he was um, more so talking about that. And people obviously just wanted to glom onto the story and kind of make it something that it wasn't. And I don't necessarily believe that Rogers was was talking about it in that in that light. Yeah, I, I have quite a few thoughts about this. I think that one, I think it was a leverage play on his part to be like, hey, bring back Aaron Jones, bring back the center. Let's run it back. You know, we have a good team. We have a good. You know, we have a good nucleus. We've yeah, he been definitely in the wants those championship guys back. game the last two years. So let's run it back with these guys and, uh, you know, get me a fucking weapon. You, you stop drafting replacements for people. Like you drafted a quarterback and a running back to replace the two people that were probably two of your best, two of your better offense players, obviously, besides Devontae Adams. But, you know, get him a number two receiver. Get him somebody that can create some plays. Get him a, an actual tight end. I mean, Tonian's good, but he's not, he's not a, like a legit tight end. So, yeah. like, you know, get go out there and get him some better weapons. Let's run it back for another year. Um, Trust me, there's no shortage of receivers in this draft either. They have no excuses. Even in free agency, there's quite a few good number two guys that they can go get if they don't want to spend the money on a, like a Allen Robinson. For sure. But uh, I think that even on the from the Packers side, if you know, it's it's crazy how like history repeats itself because they did like you mentioned they did the same thing when they drafted Rodgers. Everyone was like, oh, they kind of like fell into his lap, their lap. And like, you know, Brett Favre had already been talking about retiring then. So like it was a little different circumstance. Rodgers is only 38. So like he still has like another three years, three, four years, you know, with the way quarterbacks Brady's resetting the the argument here with these guys playing into their 40s now. I think if you get, he's still playing at an elite level. He's probably going to be the league MVP this year. So are they saying, hey, we can maximize leverage by trading him now after he gets an MVP? and get more picks or do you say well we should run it back next year this is the same exact thing they did with Brett Favre they kind of forced him into retirement after playing in a I think it was the divisional or the championship game when he in Green Bay and then he went to the Jets I think it's kind of the same situation they're they're kind of in that same spot and I hope that they don't go well it worked when we did it with Rodgers right I don't know that's we've been talking about Rodgers and Green Bay for a minute you know there's always rumors swirling about Aaron Rodgers and what's his future in Green Bay I don't consider I don't see him necessarily moving on anytime soon I think he's gonna he's gonna see his run his course through and and be there for the next few years even though they have Jordan Love waiting in the wings I can't necessarily see them forcing Aaron Rodgers out if he keeps playing at this type of level because he's doesn't even look like he's 38 right now. He's playing out of his mind. Yeah. I mean, he looks great. His arm is still looking good. He's still a little mobile in the pocket there. Um, there's one other guy I want to talk about. Matt Ryan. Yeah. What's going on with Matt Ryan? Is he staying? They have the fourth pick. Dude, I, mean, um, if I I'm, think people aren't really talking about him. No one's necessarily bringing up the Matt Ryan stuff. But for me, if I'm Atlanta and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at, I still have all this talent on my offense and Matt Ryan's clearly not getting the job done. I think it's time to move on. They changed their head coach. I'm sure their new head coach is going to want to bring in um, maybe somebody that he loves at four. Maybe there's a guy there. Maybe he loves, maybe if he can get Justin Fields, if somehow he gets down to four, or maybe he loves Zach Wilson, or maybe he loves one of these other guys. Um, 
I don't know. That's something that we haven't really heard about. But I don't think Matt Ryan is the guy anymore. I think that um, they can move on from him and kind of bring in something new and start rebuilding because they've kind of just been running in the same place for the last few years where they're like turning over and turning over and turning over and nothing is working out for them. So I think it's time for them to completely restart rebuilding. I think that starts with the quarterback position. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that, I mean, I love Matt Ryan. I hope they figure it out and I hope that maybe just switching coaches. That offense isn't even bad. Their offense is actually pretty good. It's the defense I need. They need to draft heavy and sign heavy on the defense. They need to get a pass rush. They need to get a secondary. They literally need everything on defense outside of like maybe linebacker because of Deion Jones. And yeah. I don't even remember the other guy's name, but I think that their whole defense, that's the reason why they keep losing leads because you, when you get a lead, you're supposed to unleash a, this pass rush and you're supposed to put some pressure on the guys to start making turnovers. They're not doing that on defense and that's why they keep blowing these games and that's why they're drafting four. So, I mean, yeah, you could run it back but at the same time, it's like this team's not winning a Super Bowl anytime soon. No, they're not even and pushing for a playoffs. This is probably the most you're going to get from Matt Ryan. The quarterback carousel this year, it's almost as good, it's almost as great as last year. Last year, we had a lot of big names out there too. And, you know, but just to wrap it up, yeah, I hope they trade him to a contender and I hope that whoever doesn't get Matthew Stafford turns around and trades for Matt Ryan. Yeah, because there's like there's, a, there's an obvious market for these veteran quarterbacks. You saw it last year with Phillip Rivers going to Indy. Um, we're going to see something similar this year with Matthew Stafford and Matt Ryan, maybe if Matt Ryan's on the move. So there's always a home and a market for these veteran quarterbacks that teams are going to be interested in. And those are the, definitely the two top guys. And we'll see kind of where what happens I with do them. want to point out one thing about Matt Ryan. I do think that, you know, I can't, I don't want to tell him what he should do with his money, but that guy has made so much money in the NFL already. He was one of the highest paid quarterbacks at one time. And uh, I think if he really wants a Super Bowl, how badly do you want a Super Bowl? Matt, go restructure your contract. Make, you know, make it easy for you to get traded. Make it easier for another team to take your, take on your, your contract. Mm-hmm. You, he was one of the last quarterbacks on the rookie wage scale that made like, 60 70 million dollars on his rookie contract exactly so this guy's probably made upwards of like almost 200 million dollars in his career so oh, i easily. can tell you right now this guy does not need the money and i'm not telling him to go play on the veteran minimum like restructure your contract at maybe 20 million a year yeah i mean make play it on like a drew Brees type deal. make it more attractive for these teams to want you yeah exactly so i think you know maybe the colt the colts have enough money to make it get done anyways but i'm more talking most more so on the cap hit that the Falcons will take if he restructures his contract first to the point where he's they're not going to take this massive forty million dollar cap hit by trading him right you know why not it's like a help me help you type yeah. of situation but uh, yeah I, I think this this off is going to be really interesting um, I think we're not going to be short of headlines this year and you know I'm looking forward to it oh for sure there's we're this is we're getting into our wheelhouse right now when it comes to um when it comes to the off season and the, it's just starting up now with the Senior Bowl and the draft so. Lots of scouting to do, lots of um, free agents to to break down, and um, yeah, man, this is where we thrive. So we're very excited to to get this shit rolling again. Yeah, definitely. I think that you know we're gonna have a lot of fun with this. Uh, but yeah, let's go watch the Senior Bowl. Fuck yeah, dude! All right, man. We appreciate you guys listening as always. Um, thank you guys for a thousand followers on Instagram. We appreciate that. Make sure you go follow at Unfair Catch. We're on Instagram and Twitter. So go hit those up in the show. You can find the show always on Spotify, um, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, all the usual spots. All right. Appreciate you guys listening and we'll see you guys next time. Yeah. Appreciate it. Also, I want to do a quick plug. I'll be on the Matt Miller podcast, uh, Matt Miller draft on Monday night, eight o'clock. Look out for that. Yeah. Super dope. Super excited about that. 
Um, so we'll see you guys later, man. Peace.